0: This is the PSA podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Hey, good morning, Marty. How you doing?
1: Hey, Joe. Glad to be back with you and our guest today.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, another another chilly day to start off with. Um, you know, temps down here in Delaware were in the 40s. I don't know how about up in Scranton or up in Painted Post. But uh, it was kind of chilly, so we're going to get heated up here a little bit and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the business and technology behind Manufacturing Automation Systems or MAS. So MAS has developed a family of customizable automated metrology and inspection systems that enable their clients to add automated inline measurements at any point in the manufacturing process. And we're going to be learning a little bit more about that as we go through this podcast today. So you can learn a little bit more about uh, MAS by visiting our website at www.mfgautosys.com. That's M-F-G-A-U-T-O-S-Y-S.com. Okay, so I got Jake Cipriano here with us, uh, the engineering, engineering manager at MAS. And... As the engineering manager, his passion is to work alongside his team of highly skilled innovators to help develop disruptive technologies that enable the automation, metrology, and inspection processes in advanced manufacturing systems. So how you doing there, Jake?
2: Doing great. Thanks for having me on this podcast today, Joe. I really appreciate
0: it. You bet. Absolutely. So yeah, we, I did kick it off there, talk a little bit about the weather. How's the uh, how's the foliage up there in the painted post? new york it's
2: beautiful we live in a beautiful part of the country so it's like a bowl of fruity pebbles right now everything's yeah. turning all sorts of beautiful colors yeah i bet it's trying to get a little cold though but that's all right
0: yeah it was that time of the year so um so let's learn a little about you a little bit more about you with jake so you know you started at mas what eight years ago or so um mm-hmm. how did you how did you arrive at mas what did you do in the past and let's just learn a little bit more about you
2: sure yeah so i've been in automation for 17 years um it's one of those young guys who uh just started out early when i was 17 i started in a machine shop at a local um oem who focused on building um end-of-line packaging systems had the opportunity to work up through the ranks on that company schneider packaging and um They focused on automated robotic cells for cartoning, case packing, palletizing. I cut my teeth there for eight years. Um, We built hundreds of uh, robotic cells and uh, the largest um, probably well-known customer base was at that time Keurig Green Mountain Coffee. So we were just building robot cells um, around the clock for for Green Mountain. Um, After that, I spent a short stint in Cortland, New York, at working for a company called Pyrotech that focused on um, aluminum degassing furnaces and laundering equipment. Um, and that's where I met my wife. And that's where my journey down to the southern tier of New York began. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. With that, I started looking for a job that was close to where we would be living because flux working conditions pre-COVID wasn't really a thing then. Mm-hmm. Um, so i want to find a job and um yeah i met up with the owner of mas and the mission statement of mas was very much aligned with my own personal goals um there's a christ-centered christian company that was doing really cool work in industry um and using the profits to help um help uh different different organizations for, um, non-for-profit type work. Um, but I got to use the skills that I had learned over the years, um, in automation. Mm. So it was a great fit up for me. And it's the company that I hope to retire from. Um, great, great place to work really.
0: Awesome. Hey, how many pulleys do we have at MAS? I don't know. We're a small
2: company, so I think we're somewhere upwards of 20, it's between 20 and 30 people. I'd have to rattle them off in my head to remember right now.
0: Mostly all engineering? Mostly? Yeah, mainly
2: engineering. And um, because we're a software company, we have quite a number of people that aren't even on site. Um, One of my engineers has been Traveling around the country this summer um, living out of his camper even so Mm. we uh, we really welcome a flexible work environment Mm -hmm. Um, And being a software company mostly software company. um, It's very very easy for us to do that
0: Yeah, so your product is a software. So let's dig into that a little bit and unpack it What what is the software the software platform and, and what's it do for the industry?
2: Yeah, great. So our focus is on um, software for automation. You think of a software company, typically you'll think of a point and click user uh, application. And this is very friendly software for the user during setup, but really we've geared our software for automation. So the software is called QC Plus Core. And um, pre-pandemic, we decided to stand up a standard product line. We had been working in the industry for 20 years, building um, many custom .NET applications for uh, defect inspection and metrology, Mm -hmm. building gauges for um, automation. And um, we realized that we could gain a lot of efficiency and have a greater reach in the market if we standardized a software uh, platform, which is really, if you were to think about it, it's it's all about giving robots, PLCs, CNC machines, a set of eyes and in the intelligence to um, bring in the, the physical world around them and process that data to make intelligent decisions. Um, our, our tagline is um, software for intelligent manufacturing. So we are upping the level of automation post-processing to um, add many different types of sensors to an automated cell to acquire data about its real world, the parts, the environment, and then uh, leverage that data for decision making, uh, namely for quality control. But I could get into a lot of examples where it's more than that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So yes, so quality control is a big thing. And, And so what you're trying to do in this inspection or whether it be metrology, but is it inspecting other materials outside of metals? what uh explain how. oh great
2: yeah that's a that's a good question so but i i'm not even sure of what the ratio of different types of material types would be in industry uh, metal is pretty common but you'll see a lot of so 3d scanning 3d scanning for point cloud acquisition is is growing um many 3d scanners probably struggle with uh, reflective materials and translucent materials. So we've scanned everything from glass, um, highly reflective metals, and um, and then everything else kind of becomes sort of easier. There's different different materials that react differently to different waveforms and such. But um, our our business model is that we're sensor agnostic. We partnered with some key uh, sensor companies where we can um, buy readily available industrial sensors. Um, A good one, one of my favorites, is probably LMI's Golcator, laser profilers. And the thing about this is um, this sensor, typically, uh, you could add it to a conveyor, a different type of automated system. Um, But what we're doing is we're bringing it to a robot, and then we manufacture, in addition to the software, we manufacture spatial tracking technology which when you take this readily available, commercially available sensor mm-hmm. and you put it inside this tra- uh, the spatial tracking target, then what we can do is put that whole system onto a robot. And with a high level of accuracy, now we can start laser scanning all different types of materials um, at high accuracies. Uh, a good rule of thumb would be 60, 60 microns, plus or minus 60 microns accuracy for all the points to be. We scan. And um, what that allows us to do is leverage that 3D data to perform metrology and defect detection and something we call uh, scan to path. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can scan certainly metals, woods, polymers, composites. Uh, our process is that um, we will perform sample scanning for our customers to choose the right sensor. We're not really limited to laser scanning. We'll use cameras and other things as well, but it's all about choosing the right sensor or the material to acquire um, quality data.
0: And so you, you, I think I just heard you say, so you would then bring different types of sensors, whether it be a line scanner or cameras or whatever, and then you would do some product development or at least develop the process mm-hmm. and then provide the customer with, hey, this was the best solution for what you're looking to do. Is that, did I understand you correctly?
2: Yeah. So, um, especially when we work with integrators, uh, we will perform what we call a feasibility study. It's our, it's our upfront sales process. Um, we have customers send their parts to us and then what we'll do is we'll work with our network of sensor OEMs. And we'll test a number of different sensor technologies, whether it's a displacement laser, line, laser line profilometer, structured light, snapshot sensor, 2D image-based liquid lens, telecentric lensing, whatever Jeez. sensor needed to acquire the right data. We will we will just configure that in our lab. We'll, we'll probably test a few different options, and then we'll come back to our customer and say, Hey, this is the right sensor configuration to get data off your part. Mm. Um, this is the stack of components and this is the results of our feasibility tests. Mm. Um, and we'll review the data with them, we'll exercise some measurements or we'll identify where the defects were on the part. Um, or if it's an adaptive robotic pathing application, sometimes we will, um, we will even uh, exemplify the adaptive pathing mm-hmm. in our lab just to show capability because a lot of people view vision applications as a uh, black science, and there's a lot of science that in, that's uh, involved with it, and, um, and a lot of experience is really required. So that's really, that's what we're bringing to industry is that experience right. and um, identifying those components up front in the sales process.
0: Great. So do you work directly with integrators or directly with end users or both?
2: Oh, great question so about a year and a half ago uh we had a major i would say maybe majors a bit much but a business model shift we felt that our technology was great uh, but as a small company we would small software centric company we would really be limiting ourselves to our reach in the u.s market if we tried going directly to end customers um and and really, where we want to, the part of the, the sandbox that we want to play in is really the software, um, whereas integrators, there's many top-notch integrators like PSA, you've got um, aerobotics, adapt tech, um, you hear of these JR automation, a lot of people who have niche capability mm-hmm. in their region with their uh, specific targeted market. Some people go after foraging, some people go after aerospace, defense, automotive. Rather than trying to dilute our resources down to serve everyone directly with a total solution, we decided we will focus our efforts in uh, providing the dress-out for the robots and the software to bring our technology onto an integrator's cell. Mm. Um, We're FANUC exclusive, so our software works with any... FANUC uh, robot with an R30IB plus controller, and we're rolling out retrofittable uh, software for R30IA and R30IB controllers as well. Um, and uh, yeah, really, that's the the new, it, it's, it's actually great, getting us uh, very well positioned in the market, going to market through integrators. Now I, you asked end customers as well. So we don't really wanna compete with our uh, integrators Mm -hmm. um, doing value added processing, Um, but the place that we will deliver a total solution is a uh, complete uh, defect detection or metrology cell, a robot that's dedicated to quality assurance. Um, In that case, that's our wheelhouse um, and we will deliver a total solution there, but anytime that doesn't mean we won't sell our dress out to an integrator for a QA application. We're happy to do that as well. Um, so, yeah, it's both end customers and integrators. We're really excited about working with integrators. Great.
0: So this, your sensors are somewhat OEM agnostic, but the yes. robot itself is strictly FANUC then, correct? Yes. Okay.
2: Yep. Okay. Um, We, uh, we are FANUC. ASI uh, that's not really our main business model, but that relationship is is great. They are a quality robot and we feel that we have a great avenue to highly qualified integrators. people who have been integrating hard automation for decades uh, that's the type of type of end or uh, integrator that we want deploying our software because, They have miles of experience behind them.
0: Yeah. So if they're going to deploy your software, your solution, are you responsible then? Do you take that responsibility um, as part of the project and you sell that as a a solution to an integrator and then they deliver it to the actual customer as part of an entire solution?
2: Yes. Oh, great question. So. Um, before we ship any of the hardware or software to the integrator, what we're going to do is we're going to, similar to an integrator would FAT their equipment for their customer, what we're going to do is we're going to set it up on one of our lab robots and we're going to take all the actual dress out and software, uh, dress out, by dress out I mean uh, laser scanner, uh, spatial tracking camera, spatial tracking target, our PC that we sell with our um, our perpetual license of the software. We'll take that whole dress out combination. We'll put it on a lab robot and we'll exemplify um, the actual work that that pa- package is going to do mm. for the integrator at the integrator site before they ever FAT the equipment. We'll do an FAT for the integrator here. Okay. Um, and that way, then we can go and support them fully knowing that it worked well in our facility before ever shipping it.
0: Great, right. And it's not all just robots. You you have some standalone static sensors and inspection devices, right? Linear, not just...
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I would categorize them as gauges versus robots uh, for automation. So in the way of gauges, you think typically uh, similar to a CMM where you have this granite structure with uh, linear servos, vibration dampening technology, thermally stable. Um, Before we became a fanic integrator, uh, before we grew in robotics, we built a number of um, gauges where they're either static stationary, moving the part, moving the sensor. Mm -hmm. We have two pre-engineered versions we go to market with. One is a single-axis scanner it includes a laser scanner and a basically on a stage, um, but it's a high precision uh, data acquisition system. So it's used to go into a robot cell or over a conveyor, and then we have a multi-axis system called the uh, Precision QC. So there's line QC, single-axis, and uh, Precision QC, which is a multi-axis up to four-axis system.
0: Right. And you have something called a cobot, a cobot QC bundle. I thought that was pretty interesting. I saw on the website and.
2: Yeah, it's one of yeah it's one of my favorite products we offer. So this is a go-to direct end customer. Uh, we actually have some integrators who will resell the Cobot QC because um, from us there's no engineering applied on top of the sale. It's just it's a pre-engineered system. So it's a uh, it's configurable between um, any of Fanuc's uh, CRX robots. Actually, excuse me, up to the 20. 25 is not uh, pre-engineered that's a custom but so the 5 up to the uh, 20 and then below the rest of the robot it comes on a smart base which is a uh, there's only one cable you have to plug in it's a hundred and twenty volt uh, 15 amp standard mm. uh, 3 prong wall outlet so you can take the system off a crate plug it into a standard wall outlet and have a automated system uh, operational within an hour um, the method of programming it, so our goal was to make this cobot, one, a low barrier to entry for an end user to get into automated uh, metrology and defect detection, QA, um, but also for folks who uh, are new to automation. You have you have companies in the market that um, they have years of experience grabbing a teach pendant and programming a robot. Then you have this,
1: uh,
2: I would say other growing market where you have companies that have been very manual operation oriented that don't have that experience we uh, let me see we're offering um with that cobot QC we call it push to teach it's um, a static puck that goes in between the faceplate and the tool and then a programming uh handle that um snaps onto the robot, somebody walks up, they just grab this, push a couple buttons to put the robot into a programming mode, and then they're teaching um, programs through Carol and Java uh, right through Push to Teach. And um, they can teach an entire program without having to grab their tablet. So we'll write an entire TP program right to the robot um, for 3D scanning. And also an option with the Cobot QC is below this, you can get a ATI tool changer, for a um, pick-and-place gripper, a shunk pick-and-place gripper, an ATI deburring and sanding tool, mm. and um, obviously 3D laser scanning because that's our that's our niche. That's actually why we developed it was for 3D scanning, um, but then added the tool changer to do value-added work as well, like deburring.
0: And so that only works on a cobot, that particular programming methodology, right?
2: Yeah, it's only uh, only FANUC uh,
0: CRX robots. Okay, wow. Yeah, Marty, pretty cool stuff. What do you think?
1: Wow, wild. Uh, I probably already know the answer to this question based on our conversation. But, uh, Joe, I usually like to ask you this question before you uh, invite somebody to come on the podcast. Why was Jake Cipriano an interesting person for you to bring on the PSA podcast? What interested you to bring him on? put you on a spot well, so number Hunter. one I,
0: I had an opportunity to to meet with uh the jake prior and he did a presentation for the the team for the psa team to learn a little bit more about his technology so number one i i, I love the technology that they have to offer and and jake did such a fantastic job of presenting himself and the company and the, and the technology that i thought he'd be great to have on the podcast well, it is really cool stuff, and we're going to get in. I want to really get in to scan the path a little bit more, too. But it's it's yeah. really nice technology.
1: Why don't you again? Uh, it's Jake Cipriano and uh, Joe, and or Jake, give us uh, your web the website again where they can find out more about what we're talking about. Jake, give us your sure. website.
2: Um, sure, so it's. Um abbreviated for manufacturing automation systems so it's www.mfgautosys.com
0: got it great
1: okay Joel, and then how do
0: they, they get a hold of you jake or anybody uh, from your number. from your team that would be you know if they need to get a hold of me for whatever reason
2: yeah i'll just give out my phone number 607-236-1302 or Jay Cipriano, C-I-P-R-I-A-N-O at M-F-G-A-U-T-O-S-Y-S dot
1: And I'll also say that uh, Jake is on LinkedIn. Whether or not he likes to use LinkedIn or not, I don't know, but I did find him there. And so if anybody wants to look him up on LinkedIn, you can do that also. Okay, Joe.
0: All right, uh, Jake, do you guys do any trade shows or any events like that?
2: Yeah, we uh, last year we did five, everything from oh. Stuttgart, the control show in Stuttgart, Germany, to um, West Tech, uh, IMTS. Um, it's, it's blurring in my mind all of a sudden, but um, uh, the next one we have, com- oh, automate. Um, the next one we have coming up, I'm really excited about. We get to jointly uh, exhibit with one of our new uh, partner integrators, Aerobotics. Mm. Um, really excited about this relationship we've been building with aerobotics they are a company that focuses in two of our targeted markets which is aerospace and defense um they have a really neat uh amr so that's a robot on a agv um and we're performing scan to path on a mock-up missile at Aerodeath in long beach california here actually coming up really soon mm-hmm. the show opens november 7th and um, we'll be on the floor with uh, josh huddle and nathan from aerobotics that day
0: Uh, sounds like a pretty cool project
2: yeah Yeah.
0: so uh, that could be a success story sometimes what i like to do is we get into the the podcast and get to close it up here i like to talk a little bit about a success story can you sounds like that could be a good one do you have anything else you'd like to share with us
2: yeah i mean probably what we're most excited about um is Uh, Actually, probably two things. One, our relationship with FANUC has really grown since we brought this differentiating capability to their robot cells or to their robots and to their their integrator network. So um, with that, um, FANUC has really begun to promote us to their integrator network and introduce us. So that's how we actually got... uh, connected with Aerobotics. That's how we've been connected with other companies such as uh, PSA and uh, Adaptech and some others. Um, and because of that, um, we've just we've had a lot of good uh, reach into the uh, market through Fanuc. But the thing I'm probably even more excited about recently has been just the relationship we've been meeting building with integrators. Sales cycle on automated systems. Can be long, can be six to eighteen months, right? Anyone who's who's trying to go to quote or uh, you know just gets into the top of the funnel with a um, end customer who has an automated system. Well, with that um, the and our shift in business model to work with integrators about a year and a half ago, we're just starting to see some of that fruit of uh, transactional um, work with integrators. Um, but the leading metric for us is our feasibility studies. So we've had many different integrators bring us on their onto their customers' project. They'll have their customers send us uh, many different samples. And in fact, probably the metric I was looking at this morning was our feasibility studies it has increased five hundred percent in a year and a half. And that's a great leading metric for us because, the more customer samples we get into um, 3D scan, it's just it's going to convert into more more sales. And it's for us, it's a quicker sale than trying to sell an entire system because we are selling the software, the PC, the uh, sensor, um, and the spatial tracking technology to go onto a another person's cell. So for us, it's a lighter lift in that regard. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've been very excited about that. Adapt Tech and uh, Aerobotics have been um, two of those leading um, integrator partners so far. And there's more. I'm hoping to connect deeper with uh, PSA we, now we are
0: certainly um, interested in the technology. I think we have some use cases that, that could be coming up here in the near future. So really looking forward to uh, continuing the relationship and, and becoming a, a partner with you here, uh, Jake, in the near future, and you guys are over there at um, MAS. So, uh, I really enjoyed having you on in, in the discussion today. Uh, Marty, is there anything else you'd like to share before we close it up?
1: I just, I just want to mention the cool background, man. I mean. And... And pulling equipment right out of that set there. I mean, I'm impressed with the marketing savvy this engineer has. I'm really impressed, you know. <laughs> so, no, nothing else to say. And, uh, thanks so much, Jake. It's been a fascinating discussion. Discussion. So, thank you very much. All right.
0: Yeah. Great.
2: Great. Good pleasure meeting you, Mark. Joe, thank you for inviting me on. And uh, thank you. you.
0: Thank you for listening to the PSA BizTech Podcast. The PSA BizTech Podcast is a production of Production Systems Automation. More information on this podcast and PSA can be found at PSASystems.com. That's PSASystems.com.